No, but I, I think I think you're right. I think we have spent so much time, all right, uh, developing out the value of the product, and but we've stopped to develop out the value of the individual person, and and because I think technologies change, right? All right, when you know, 10 years ago, all right, you'd, you would visit five to seven dealerships before you made a purchase. So that meant that you, you met five to seven different individuals, all right, and you had to create a relationship as quickly as humanly possible in the first 15 minutes of conversation, right? So, you know, we had to immediately create the value of doing business with me as a person, Right out of the gate. Good morning and welcome to another episode of the Coffee with Jason podcast. Your dose of morning tidbits and tips to get your day started right. Today, Jason is chatting with Ian Coburn. They'll be jamming about the modern customer, how to connect, and of course, Ian's book. Pour that morning coffee and settle in, but first, a message from our sponsor. For freshly brewed discussion on automotive sales and marketing, this is Coffee with Jason. The Coffee with Jason podcast is sponsored by Closer's Coffee. For that full-bodied, rich, sweet flavor with a bright acidity. Drink Closer's Coffee, stay caffeinated, and keep on closing. Find out more at closerscoffee.ca. Hey, what's going on, Podcast Nation? It's Jason Harris here with Digital Dealership Solutions. Hey, thanks for joining me on another episode of Coffee with Jason. Today, I have my guest, Ian Coburn. Ian, thank you so much for taking the time to come jam with me today. I, uh, I really appreciate it. For everybody out there, Ian, that don't know uh, who you are, how you got started in the industry, if you kind of just give us that origin story that is Ian, <laughs> that'll, sure. that'll get it started. Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me. I appreciate it, man. It's fun to be on. I, I always enjoy these things. So, uh, And I've watched some of yours, and I think there's some, some really good stuff and content. So I'm you know, excited to be part of it. So I appreciate it. Um, I started in the industry very different than most people. I actually started out as a stand-up comedian, and throughout the 90s, that's what I did. And I traveled all over North America. I played all the yuck yucks up in Canada, so um, I was a dual citizen, so I could actually do that and work Canada, where a lot of American comedians can't. I, I live in the Chicago area myself, so I played all over the U.S., so a lot of fun, but I got tired of the lifestyle, and I ended up getting into sales and customer service because the skills I developed as a comedian translate very well into those jobs sure that totally makes sense yeah right out of the gate i i was just doing exceptionally well i was breaking records left and right in every sales job i had and so very quickly i was tapped to train people and that's what i really found love with mm. so for almost the last 20 years now i've been training and developing teams and building entire sales programs and customer service across multiple industries and in 2016 i was hired by navistar who makes the international truck in the IC bus brand and yep. military equipment. And they brought me in and they said, Hey, you know, uh, we want, we want fresh eyes. We want someone from outside the industry, uh, to see what we're doing, you know, differently that maybe we got to make some changes. I think we have too much incestuous stuff going on in the industry. So I came in from outside and, uh, learned a lot. And one of the big things I learned was that the setup's very different. Usually in the, in the OE franchise world the big thing that is that oes supply so like sylvan learning mcdonald's whoever it is is soft skills you have to take them before you can open your location and in the dealer world it's not like that at all so it's very different and so i started working on that a lot and uh, eventually i left navistar for a couple years and went out on my own so i could serve you know a broader spectrum 
of the industry. I really enjoy it. Um, it's funny when you're outside the industry, your, your attitude is a little bit like, oh, these guys are all con artists, scammers, <laughs> and watch out. And then you get inside the industry and you go, these are the most genuine, down-to-earth people. Hard-working people you ever I've meet. ever met, yep. yeah. And, yep. and so that's why I really will. I, I want to stay in this industry and continue to serve them. So, so that's pretty much what uh, brought me here today. And, of course, you know, I have a, have a, uh, a book out as well on the subject of and that's yeah, cool. We'll definitely, we're definitely going to talk a bit about the book today. Hey, we got a chance to kind of talk off camera a little bit. Um, we started to branding, start to talk, talking about branding, right? Uh, you know, I made a post the other day, uh, you know, what does a dealership do with, you know, these individual brands that are now, you know, in their showroom, right? How do they handle that? How do they manage that? And you made this great point of just how, you know, people are just not staying in the business as long as they used to, you know, there's just, and, and I'm, I don't necessarily think it's the business fault as much as it, it's our fault. You know, are we really creating a clear path, a career? Are we creating a clear career path for these people? You know, I mean, I don't think people want to know that there's more than to the job than just, just sales. What do you think? What's your thoughts on that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, when we're looking at these younger generations, the millennials, and, and it's so funny because we keep talking about millennials. Hey, guess what? Move over. iGen's here, 23 and younger, right? My nephew, exactly. <laughs> 23 uh, later this year, he's an iGen. So they're already out in the workforce, and there's more of them than millennials. And uh, um, there's more of them than there are, uh, what's the, uh, why can't uh, baby boomers? Yeah. Forget about the baby. So, so it's just what they really want. When they're looking for jobs, what they're looking at, they want to see a laid out development program, kind of a career path. Yeah. Um, but even what it's, it's even more so what skills am I going to learn that I can use anywhere? And we don't have that. And if we don't have that, they're not going to start with us in the first place. We've already eliminated a lot of the top talent pool, right? Yeah. So they're not going to start with us in the first place. And then they're not going to stick around because they don't need to think about all the things you can do today. I'm just looking at my nephew things he's done to make money right now. He makes He sells mushrooms, not illegal mushrooms from what he's told me, <laughs> but you know, he, he's really into it. And he's got a little basement apartment and he sells these mushrooms on his own because apparently it's a big thing. There's like a whole group out there of people that like the genetic stuff he can create from crossbreeding different mushrooms and they purchase it. I mean, professors wow. and right. You couldn't do that before, but because of the internet, you can do that. Yeah. So I don't need you to support me necessarily. I can go and make less money, but do something I'm interested in until I find something else. He's driven for a uh, lift, right? Yeah. He's, uh, you know, he's done some of the, some of the kind of the regular jobs. I drive for, uh, you know, delivering pizza and some of those things too. But think about all the things you could drive for lift. You could, you could be a secret shopper. There's so many things you can do on your own. That if you want, you can combine them that if we're not giving them what they want, Hey man, I don't need you. I'm out. hundred percent. You know, it's just a different, uh, different environment that I'm used to as a generation Xer. Well, but <clears throat> and I, I think you're right. What it is is that, you know, people are looking to uh, have passion within their workplace that, you know, they want to be able to actually enjoy what they do. They don't want to feel, you know, they don't want to feel anymore that it's just, that it's just a job. They want to feel that it's more than just a job, you know, that, the, you know, that it's an actual part of what they enjoy to do on a day-to-day -day basis. And uh, yeah, I think we've done a horrible job in our industry of really kind of identifying, you know, the, the enjoyment part of what we do. You know, like I, I, I really enjoy selling cars. 
I really, really enjoyed it. You know, creating those relationships and developing out those relationships and, and being a part of, of, a, of just one of the biggest purchases someone's ever going to make. Like, I mean, that yeah. meant a lot to me. Yeah. It's, I mean, think about it. It's, we, we bought our house. We really enjoyed buying our house. Mm-hmm. And I've never bought a new car until uh, 2016, the fall of 2016. My wife and I bought a new car. Uh, we got a Sienna, Toyota Sienna. A minivan growing the family and <laughs> so um you know just a bad experience all the places we went to unfortunately um and and, so, and i'll talk about a good experience in a moment too because i always like to you know I, I i we get so much negative stuff in this industry i don't want to be you. part of that there's, no, no, i hear you i hear you good experiences too right um but it's it's just when we bought the house it was such a different experience it was so much fun the car is the second most expensive thing we're going to buy, except for maybe our kids' college tuition, right? Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, that could blow it all away by the time I get to school. <laughs> and it, was, it should have been such a more fun experience. But the, it was almost like the car, when we went to the car salespeople, it was almost like they felt, oh, man, this is going to be bad. So they came in with this kind of attitude, like, we're going to have to yank you and pull you and push you across the finish line. And, and, and I agree 100% with what you just said. I've sold things across, you know, dozens and dozens of industries and it's always been fun and it's always fun man sales is so much fun you get to talk to people you're not doing the same thing i mean i did a consulting job once where i was developing sales training for an insurance company and they sat me next to all the uh actuaries and man i i mean it works well for them but oh i couldn't imagine a job one of the worst jobs you sit there all day behind a computer crunching numbers that's what you do all day every day and I, I'm talking to different people. I'm getting up. I'm doing different things. I mean, it's it's great. Uh, but yeah, if you don't go in, if if you're if you're in that environment and you're going, I don't know what I'm supposed to do or how I'm supposed to talk to people. I'm not getting that, and and I don't have that knack to figure it out. It's terrifying, right? It is. So it is. We and, just gotta and, flip and, that switch. And having that. Uh social selling skill is something that is not taught in our education system in any way or form. Right. So, so, you know, coming to work for a dealership, there's, there, there's an education there. Right. I, I think what people are looking for now in a job, is not necessarily just the work itself and the pay. They're also looking for an education, you know, which, which I think is a phenomenal thing. You know, what, um, you know, one of the first jobs I ever had was working for Radio Shack. Now a lot, you know. Now back in the day, Radio Shack was was the place to work for. I mean, you had to know your shit to work for Radio Shack. You had to know what a transistor was. You had to know what a resistor was. You had to know what a oh, capacitor yeah. was. Like, I mean, you actually had to be very well educated to work there because, actually, I think that was their their motto, right? You have a question, we have an answer, or something along that lines, right? And, and you had to talk to people because you get people had like me who come in who don't know anything. And I'm asking a lot of dumb questions. So <laughs> that, that's right. That's right. So it was, and, and I remember, I, I remember my, uh, I remember my father giving me a, uh, a Forbes magazine and it listed at that point in time, Radio Shack as having one of the top management programs, training programs, you know, in the country. So that is what actually drove me to go work for them right out of the oh. gate. You know, oh, then cool. when, I, when I thought was really cool is, you know, back then they had, you, know, you had to learn all about everything. You had to learn about the radios. You had to learn about walkie talkies. You had to learn about, you know, the transistors, the resistors, capacitors. I mean, hell, I still remember stock numbers. That's how crazy that is, but, <laughs> um, and battery sizes. But um, you, you had all these little books, right? And there were, I think, 18 books. But every, 
every book you completed, every course you completed, you got an additional 15 cents an hour, right? Normally it would take someone yeah. about, you know, a little over a year to complete these books. I didn't like in six months. So it was like, I want, I wanted that extra money, right? Sure. Um, sure. But, but it, it meant something to work there. You know, and I think at one point in time, it meant something to work at a car dealership. You know, it was like, oh, wow, you're, you're, you're a car salesman. You must be doing quite well for yourself. And, you know, you're the guy that's wearing the suit or the girl wearing, you know, wearing, wearing the suit. And you're, the, the, you know, you're, uh, you're doing quite well for yourself. Um, but that's change. It's all change. I don't think there's necessarily, I don't think people are looking at that industry and saying, wow, it means something to sell cars. Yeah, you know, I'll go, I'm going to go back just a little bit. When you talked about point on about the education system not having like soft skills training, not they don't really get into what you're going to be doing on the job in general. I, I'm not sure what they teach in a lot of these programs, um, but a lot, you know, because someone could go to school for for automotive and come out and you could be like, what? Wait, you don't know what what an oil filter is? Wait, wait what happened? What were you, you know? There's some great schools, there's some not so great. But no school. I don't care if you're going to school uh, in a sales program or a business program uh, at a, at a four-year university or if you're going to a trade school for computers or, or whatever it is. They do not teach soft skills. There is nothing about here's how you talk to people. Here's how you have a conversation. Here's the four steps you handle when you do objection handling or whatever. And I would love to see that happen. It's probably never going to happen. And so it's something we need to bring to the table. I imagine at Radio Shack, you also got things about how to talk to people and customer service. Oh, absolutely, 100%. Training too. Um, so yeah, I think, I think as far as, as the last point you made, you know, with, with, it used to mean something and maybe not so much now. Um, I, I think when you look at the industry, uh, if you're looking at it from outside the industry, it's very scattered. Mm -hmm. I don't even know what, what car sales is anymore. I, as a Generation X person, I grew up with that car sales, this is what it is. So I still got that. So when I went to buy a car, that's what we did. What I, well, we go there, we did some research online, we go there and we talk to them and, and this is the process. But if you're younger than me, like my wife is, is born 1980, so I believe that's like the first year for millennials or close to it or something. So something like that, yeah. You know, their attitude's different. It's more of a, okay, well, they didn't grow up with that same thing that, that I grew up with. And so they look out there, think about it, take a step outside the industry. Sometimes we just need to take a step back and get the 15,000 foot it's view. Very, very true. That's if a good way to look at it. Grow up with, with, you know, Hey, we sell cars and here's how cars are, are sold and seeing these commercials and everything. You're like going, cause a lot of these people don't watch TV anymore. They don't see commercials. They skip no. them. They're Halloween. They're, you know, whatever Netflix, whatever this is, they're, they're it, doing it. I haven't, I haven't had real TV in my house in eight years. Yeah. So, I mean, so, so, so it, it, they're not getting the same message. So think about it. I go, I'm looking for a car. I Google, I'm not getting dealerships coming up. I may get some, but a lot of it is going to, it's more, Oh, you buy from, you know, this, this organization, we sell you the car online. You don't even have to come into the showroom or, Oh, get this app and buy a car from your neighbor and never have to deal with anybody. Else. I mean, it is, I would, I would just be like, I don't know where to go. It's so scattered. And now I have to do so much more work as a customer. That's, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do all that. That's a good work. point. That's a really good you point. Know, I mean, there are so many different ways to buy a car now. Yeah. It, it's, it's what message is being shared to the consumer. That's very true. Yeah. So if we can get it to a, back to a place or get to a place where it's, where we're known, just like a real, I, 
even even though you can buy houses a lot of different ways now, we still deal with realtors. And, and we everyone still kind of operates the same way. See a lot of people trying to sell it by owner. A lot of times it doesn't work. See a, a couple weeks later, a couple months later, that house is up for sale now, no longer by owner. It's through a realtor. Why? Yep. Because they're knowledgeable, but how they relate to people, how they talk to people, what they do uh, is, is amazing. No, um, it's it's so true. Sump pump. When, when we bought our house, we need to have a sump pump put in. The guy who, yep. who uh, looked at the house told us that. The realtor said, hey, I got a sump pump guy. He's fabulous. You'll love him. I'll put it. He, I'm not having to do any work. Okay. You talk. <laughs> He's coming to me with all these solutions. And, and I think in the, in, the, in the auto world, when we start looking at some of the things we say, we'll start, we start hearing phrases like this. And this is when we know we're in trouble. We start, when we start saying things to the customer like, well, you didn't tell me that before. Or I gave you what you asked for. Or, well, Okay, then we didn't have the right conversation in the first place, right? Very true, very so. true. No, but I, I think I think you're right. I think we have spent so much time, all right, uh, developing out the value of the product, and but we've stopped to develop out the value of the individual person, and and because I think technologies change, right? All right, when you know, 10 years ago, all right, you'd, you would visit five to seven dealerships before you made a purchase. So that meant that you, that you met five to seven different individuals, all right, and you had to create a relationship as quickly as humanly possible in the first 15 minutes of conversation, right? So, you know, we had to immediately create the value of doing business with me as a person right out of the gate, but you're right. So much of that initial meet and greet and qualify is now happening online that the customer doesn't necessarily get that. They get the value proposition of the product or service, but they're not getting the value prop. They're not getting the value of dealing with that individual. Yeah. And we're moving in the wrong direction. And I say that because when people come in, we think, okay, they've done, and, and we're kind of being taught this too. Um, by outside parties a lot of times, but it happens in-house too. But we think when they come in, oh, they've done all the research. They know exactly what they're looking for. So I'm going to ask them even fewer questions. No, because now they come in and what they've done is there's so much information out there. They could be pulled in a lot of different directions. Um, there's a lot of misinformation too. So it's even more important that we take time and talk to them and show them that value. And and real quick, I mentioned that that I wanted to make sure we share, you know, I shared a positive story about buying a car as well. Yeah. In 2009, uh, I took my mom to buy a car. She lives out in Ohio. I'm, I'm in the Chicago area. So I took her out to a place, uh, Lima, Ohio, which is like the area you go to when you live in the boonies, which she did. That's where you go to buy a car. <laughs> okay. It's like there's just this endless road that just has nothing but dealers on it, right? We all know those roads. A lot <laughs> of us work on those roads, right? And we went to this guy and he was phenomenal. I mean, he he asked a lot of great questions in a very short amount of time. We walked out of there with, a, it was a used Toyota a Camry. He's, he has nothing but customer referrals. He doesn't work any new leads that come in. He gives those to younger people. He mentors the younger staff, the newer staff. Um, my mom recommended three other people to buy cars from him. He just, he did a great job of asking questions. You know, what are you going to be using this car for? She, she had an idea of what she wanted when she came in. Sure. But he pointed out vehicles she hadn't thought of. And here's a really cool thing that he did. He said, you know what? Um, come back today if you can. Come back today at like four because I got another customer I got to go talk to now. And, and I want to make sure you have enough time to drive more of these vehicles. You could do that without me here. Talk to this guy. He took us over 
met somebody. He said, this guy has all the keys, drive whatever you want. But then take some time. Go down the road to other dealerships. You shouldn't just come here. Because he had asked, have you been anywhere else? He said, this is our first stop. He said, you got to check out other places. you got to make sure that this is right for you and we're the right people. That's cool. That confident, right? Well, that's it. See, see, it's confidence. See, people want to do business. There's value in doing business with people that are confident. And we want to do business with people that are confident. I spend a lot of time, and I used to I used to be a dating expert years ago when I first when I first got out of comedy. I dating expert sounds like another podcast. <laughs> you really go right, and, and, I, and I, I I wrote a book about my misadventures with women as a comedian, and and, and uh, you know all these crazy things that happened that that you don't have time to tell on stage. So I put it in a book, and um, it's amazing how many parallels there are between dating and and sales in the business world so think about it you, you just talked about oh, confidence when you're a guy sense. if you're asking someone out and you're like hey would you like to go out saturday i mean maybe i mean if you're not too busy if you're not you know if it's okay i understand if you don't want to is, is it, or is it hey man i really enjoyed talking you know that restaurant you mentioned when we were talking that new italian place we, we should go check it out what's your schedule like saturday who's got a better shot exactly you know i mean we again sometimes it's easier if we step out of our own industry and look at things like whether it's dating or personal lives or a different industry and we can see it more clearly and then we got to go okay well that's what it's like for those people when they're talking to us but it's totally true though and in fact actually i think i've even used analogy or we've used analogy a couple times on this show is you know currently right now the customer walks into the dealership there is no courting you know it's just straight <laughs> to the point it's like hey you want to get married yeah. My name is Jason. Welcome to the dealership. Let's get married. Um, <laughs> <laughs> First place we went to, and, and, and this is an old, this is an old saying that you've heard in the industry, but, but again, it's not really thought out well. And the top salespeople never did it. It's just that, you know, nowadays we can train people to be great at sales. Whereas in the past we've relied on them, bringing it to the table. Yes. We have to train it now. hundred percent. Which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing, actually. I actually like the fact that we, that we can develop that out because it creates a, a, a more consistent uh, floor, you know? Absolutely. And, and your health message is all about brand, and that's very important for the brand. I mean, that's why, you know, when you work for – if you have a McDonald's franchise or something, you do it the McDonald's way. Very, know, very good know. point. There's no other way. <laughs> you're not doing it. I know that if you go to Sylvan – if you're at my Sylvan Learning, I know I can – if you're moving, I can send you to any Sylvan Learning anywhere. You're going to get the same – standard of customer service exactly man i've got dealers especially in the truck heavy duty truck world under the same brand telling their customers don't go to this there's some they tell them to go to but there's other ones where they're flat out saying don't go to this dealer if you ever if you ever break down over here in iowa don't ever go to this dealer it's in the same brand because they've lost customers so we got to turn that around which is why i think oes need to take ownership of this to really make it click i mean but we have to as dealers right now because they're not. So, but at any, any rate, um, it's, uh, you know what, actually a good point because there are actually a couple of manufacturers right now that are doing this as we speak, you know, just within the last couple of years, there are some manufacturers out there that are beginning to put out and uh, mandate a standardized sales process and a standardized service process. That's great, but uh, it, it's still, it's not a unique one. It's just standardizing, which I'm I'm good. I'm I'm cool with standardizing the process, right? But look, every process, even if, even if it's standardized process, each individual will execute it differently. 
Well, you know, in, in their own flavor, their, their, you know, his or hers kind of flavor to it. It can still follow the, the, the 10 steps, the standardized 10 steps, but each person is going to do it. You're going to do it with a flare of comedy. Right, sure, right. sure. I'm yeah, you're do, right. I'm going to do it with a flare right. of orange. <laughs> I'm going to throw something in there. It's going to be freaking orange. I can guarantee you that. You know, it's like we, we'll, we'll find kind of our own voice within these standardized processes. Yeah, no, and, and, and I'm going to get to that at one point. I, as you know, I, as you can tell, I talk, I go all over the place. So just like you, that's why I love talking these kinds of conversations because I know it's fun. You never know. And, and, and I love that. That's why, you know, sometimes you do interviews and they're scripted. It's like, oh man, this, this is, this is great because we can go anywhere. But so stepping back just for a moment, um, so, so when I went to buy the car with my wife, uh-huh. the first guy we went to, the first thing he said was, what do I have to do to put you in a vehicle today? <laughs> like you said, let's get married. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, wait That's a minute. Okay. Here's the way. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you, know, uh, you don't even know. He didn't, we were walking through the parking lot coming up. He didn't even know if we were there to buy a car. Oh, just, oh, just picking up our vehicle. You know, who knows? But, but getting back to what you're saying, there are, and again, when I talk, this is a standard that, that auto has had for a long time. Heavy duty truck has had not as long. And that is, that is that there's all kinds of, of, if you're, if you're at this gold standard for this OE, or if you're at this diamond standard for this OE or this elite or whatever it is, it means that your service shop does all these things, this checklist, like you're talking about and great, but we don't have standards like that for how we answer the phone. Yeah. How we objection, how we talk to people. We, we have nothing. We have confused our customers with their vehicles. Yep. The vehicles are not our customers. And, and, you know, and again, in truck, you hear a lot, heavy duty truck, you're like, it's all about uptime, the vehicle being up. No, it's not. It's not about uptime. It's about the driver getting home in time for his five-year-old's birthday party. That's what it's about. That's him. That's the world he lives in. It's not. And so, and, and I think that's an OE challenge. What happens is they get, they get us all very focused on on the vehicles, and then and and they do a great job of providing that kind of training and everything. Great. Yeah. Um, so we get caught up in that, and then they have standards we have to hit, and so we get so focused on that, we all kind of are forgetting about the customer. The customer is not the vehicle. And again, if we go back to realtor, that's realtors are great at that. They're not. You know, it's it's you. You you want to see this type of house? I'm going to show you this type of house. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to see these different houses. I'm going to ask you mm-hmm. questions. Um, but, but and, and part of that is because they have to, it's not like, it's not like they're on a car lot where they go, Oh, I have that car right over here. Oh, I have that car right over here. You're like, Oh bad, we got to drive six miles to get to that house. <laughs> you know, not every house there is for sale. So, so they have to do it. And, um, you know, there, we, we, we can steal a page for them and go, look, let's make sure we're talking about the customer and not the vehicle. Like, Oh, look what it does. Look what it, oh, it does this and this and this. Okay. Calm down. That's the vehicle. That's not the customer. That's so true. I've actually, I, I really like that. And I can already tell that we're going to cut this out in a chunk in itself. And it's just going to be called the customers, not the vehicle. Um, but but you're 100% right. I mean, the customer is not the vehicle. I mean, it, the customer is a very unique individual. And we have to understand and sell in service to them appropriately, not sell in service to the vehicle itself. That totally makes sense. Yeah, we had a, you know, I didn't want to buy a minivan. Well, my wife and I went to buy a minivan <laughs> and I'm in the industry and I still don't, because I don't, you know, I, I'm a sales guy. I'm a people person. I, I, I'm i not a huge, like, I can't tell you a lot about vehicles. I'm just, I'm not, some people are really engaged. Oh, I love the vehicles. I love all the things they do. I know this engine, this engine has got a lot of power. 
that's not me. You're in it for the experience. You want to feel it. You want to touch it. You want to, you want to move it. That's it's the tech specs, not necessarily your thing, but that's, that's you as an individual. Right. And then, and and it's good. It's a good point because I don't think necessarily we're training that way. You know, we're, you know, we're these, these new salespeople are coming into the dealership. We're giving them standardized processes, which is good. There's nothing wrong with that at Absolutely. all. Okay? We're standardizing that process, but then we're not teaching them how to uh, sell to the, uh, how to sell and talk and communicate to the customer, not sell and talk to the car, exactly. right? You know, because the customer is not the car. Like you said, it's a very, very unique individual. We need to know about that person. We need to well, take the time to get to know them. Well, and you show me fe- you show features on the car, but it's like, I've already seen all the features online. Or I've already seen them when when I was out at some event, you know, where where they had the Sienna or they had the the another one we were looking at that was big was the Pacifica. It's like you know it was at the event, so I've already folded the seats in and out. So when I come and I've seen it online, so when I come into the showroom and you do the same thing, you're you're verbally marketing. That's what you're doing. You're not yeah. selling. You're not having a conversation. I'm not regurgitating. You're regurgitating yeah. the uh, the brochure. Blah, here's the brochure. Hey, How nice throw up. That's what we call it a sale. Show up and throw up. Show well, up and throw up. <laughs> the only reason my wife and I are looking for a bigger vehicle, we're having a second child. I didn't I didn't really want a minivan at the time. Yeah. But what happened is my wife is almost six two. We cannot put a car seat behind her seat with ah, a second child yeah. and have her seat go back. Yep. There might be a perfect car out there, which I much rather would have gotten. A car that met our standards with being able to do that. But nobody asks, why are you buying this vehicle nobody even we went to five places nobody asked even um congratulated my wife on her pregnancy i was really shocked by that because it was uh, so focused on the product yeah they so didn't, focused they didn't on the product the, yeah and again the guy in ohio was fabulous at all that just where we happened to go we didn't get that but he but it was more it wasn't because we trained him to be that way it was just that he's that guy he's done this for a long time He's knows to be that way. We can't rely on people to bring it to the table anymore because yeah. when we're growing up, that's not how it is. We're not, they're not learning the same skills. A quick, quick story example. Do you have brothers and sisters? I do. I have two younger sisters. Okay. And if you might, if you don't mind me asking uh, how old are you or give me a range or something. Oh, I'm, I'm 40. So my, okay. my net one underneath is just a year younger. And then Justina is in her twenties. <laughs> so. Okay. So I'm 47. And so when I grew up, and, and, and so it's was probably similar for you, um, did you guys all have your own TV or what? We had one TV, and that was it. Um, yeah, I think at one point we all did have our own TV and our own TV. Okay, yeah. one yeah. point. So, so you go watch your TV, but, but even then, your TV was probably smaller in your room than yep. in the main room or something, right? It was an older so, one. You know, they just go, you get a newer one, the older one just kind of finds right, its right. way to another so, yep. yep. So for us, and, and a lot of people in my generation, your generation, we, you know, we grew up, you have one TV. You want to watch your show. I had two sisters, one older, one younger. There's a negotiation going on every day for what shows we're going to watch. It's true. Yeah. That doesn't happen anymore at all. <laughs> no, I love Matt Houston. So I'm like, it only lasted like six weeks. You probably don't even know what it is. But Matt Houston show, I was like, I want to watch that show. My older sister loved Remington Steel. So like, if you Remington pick Steel. Matt Houston, I'll pick Remington Steel. We'll leave my little sister out in the cold. And if they're not on the same night, if your show, if my show's on Wednesday night and your show's on Friday, you better be nice to me between Wednesday and Friday because I'll change my mind. No, right? I do. I do remember actually at one point in time having a TV calendar on the on the refrigerator. 
And it was like, okay, you know, it's like, you know, it's like I got to watch my show this time. And then Jenny's got to watch her show this time and then just yeah. her show this time. And, and it was all scheduled out because typically what happened was when we got home from school, we all got home from school at the exact same time. We okay. all wanted to watch TV at the exact same time. So it was like, it had to be kind of scheduled out. Yeah. I totally remember that. That's yeah. so funny. So, so you, you learn what you learn how to negotiate, you learn with disappointment. You don't always get what you want. I mean, you're learning that every day. Compromise, you know, yeah, comp negotiating and compromising had to happen, yeah. right? So, so now I see where you jump, go with this because it doesn't happen like that anymore. No, jump forward now. So so a couple of years ago, I've got uh my I've got all my nieces and nephews, six of them over, and my two boys. And my youngest is uh not even one yet, and uh, my oldest is not two is uh just over two, two or just about to turn two. He's like there's like a two-year difference, so he's like two, whatever. And then my oldest nephew is 20 and my youngest niece you know, uh, is like five. Right. Yep. And so they're all over and we decide we're going to watch a movie. And I'm thinking, this is going to be horrible. We got eight kids here, my wife and me. How are we going to choose a movie? <laughs> so the first movie I, I've expected this is going to take at least 20 minutes. I said, what do we want for the movie? What do we, you know, what do we want to watch guys? And I said, how about frozen? And I'm, I'm waiting for the objections. Everybody, no problem. Frozen. Perfect. Let's watch it. I'm like, this is great. Well, that's, How easy. that's abnormal. That's <laughs> I put it in, right? Ten minutes into the movie, I look around the room and I realize nobody's watching this movie except They're for me and my wife. Kids, <laughs> the oldest kid, the twenty-year-old, is on uh, an, an iPad watching a TED talk. The youngest is watching something. There's, there's another boy who's playing a video game on his gadget, and the the, the girls on her, the youngest girls on her tablet, watching a different movie. Even my youngest son, who's not even one, is on the floor making sounds with my phone. And so the reason we one of the reasons we can't expect people to bring it to the table, because they're not growing up with these challenges, like learning how to negotiate every day, learning with disappointment. They're not getting that. They're getting instant gratification. They're yes. having a lot of things spoon fed to them and they're not getting those skills and they know it. They I mean they know this and so they ask for it. And if we're not an industry that gives it to them. We're going to be left behind. I, I, I totally agree. And that's, and that's that, that educational part, you know, but it needs to be incredibly defined. It has to be well-written and it has to be able to be marketable. You know, it was, it, it's no different than why I went to go work for Radio Shack all those years ago is because yeah. they had this amazing, amazing, you know, training program. And I wanted to be a part of that training program. Like I got, I could have worked for more money at the, juice bar down the street or the smoothie place or the ice cream place or pizza place. Actually I did. I actually I did one time I remember one summer I made more money delivering pizzas. Um, you know, for the small pizza place. Uh and the reason I remember the reason I did it because I had a big jacked up four by four. Okay. And, uh we there was a lot of dirt roads um okay, where, yeah, you know, yeah. where we lived. So <laughs> so everybody else had these little Honda Civics and they were delivering pizza. And so whenever it rained, I was the only guy that could deliver pizza. Oh, that's hilarious. Because I'd throw it in a four low and just go swamping through the mud. Right. Um yeah. God, that was fun. Sorry. Anyways, I digress. Um but 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 yeah, I mean I went to go work for Radio Shop because because of that training program. Well, and we have to understand something in our business too when we talk about training, because sometimes we we're very we're great at marketing. I don't think there's an industry that does a better job with like marketing and making the you know ROEs send us great videos, and we do them in house too. And just, I think we do a fabulous job of um, marketing of marketing our product or service, but marketing us as individuals. I don't no, not as individuals. We, yeah. yeah, absolutely right. But so when you go when you um 
you know, when you went to Radio Shack and you're trained, you said they have booklets, they have things, right? I mean, they're, they're reinforcing oh, it. Was, it was, it was there. Like, right? It was a very, very clean program. So when we do train in our industry, and there's some training out there, um, a lot of it is set up like marketing. It's fancy videos, it's flashy, whatever, but that's not how the brain retains information. You think about it, your kids don't go to school and watch quick, short little videos or 30 minute videos and, and listen to it and walk out and go, oh wow, I remember all the information. No, it's, you gotta do the activity, you gotta get hit with it over and over again to change and create the behavior that we want. So we have to remember that when we're training, all that fancy video stuff, that's great. That doesn't work well for training. Actually, what would be great for training is more like graphic novels. And that's why comic that's books do I mean, so I think, well. I, I because think they impact part of the brain. Yeah, yeah, everybody, everybody's going to learn and consume differently. And, you know, it's, it's not enough just to be able to consume the knowledge. We have to actually put the knowledge into action. You know, that, that's the truth. You know, but I, I agree with you. I think for the most part, for the most part, we will train on the activities that are required to sell or service a vehicle. But then we kind of stop. That's almost about as far as we end up going. You know, we don't get to that element of coaching the individual and becoming better in their communication efforts and, and increasing the efficiencies of the activities that we trained on in the first place. So yeah. what, would you, what would you recommend? I mean, look, I think from training perspective, we have standardized processes. We train on the activities that are required. All right. What, what would you recommend you know, to dealerships right now that are out there that are listening to this and kind of shaking their heads kind of up and down going, you know what, guys, I agree with you. I mean, I think there's some significant value in, in being able to provide, you know, a, a real course that goes along with it. You know, it's like, here's the reason why you should come work for us, right? Uh, where do you start? Is it something you create? Is there is there enough courses out there? Is there something I can buy into? Like, where do you start? Well, funny you should ask. Um <laughs> I actually, that's why I actually took what I did for myself is I took, there, there's, there's stuff out there. There's books, there's things you can find. But for, for me, what I did is I actually took the entire sales development program, customer service program I've been giving for years, you know, developed over the last 20 years, giving in other industries and created it in an e-learning version. All of it's online. Mm -hmm. So I have that. Um, you don't even have to have an LMS to watch it because a lot of my customers, and this is a good example of doing what's best for the customer which is how I define customer service is that they didn't want, they don't want to go out and buy an LMS learning management system if, if for those who aren't familiar. So I developed a way you can actually track it. You can play, do it on all your mobile devices, track it, and uh, you don't have to have an LMS to do it. So, so it's out there. I'll send you a link you can share so people can go and see it. But that's the key is that you have, we have to understand um, people better, I think we have to bring in people that, that understand learning more. So a lot of what we do, we rely on people who are great salespeople. The reason I work really well as a trainer isn't because I was really good at sales. It's because I went out and I learned about learning and development and how people learn. And because I was a comedian, so I, I learned what makes people laugh and, and how to react and, and, you know, and really listen and respond. Yes. And so those are the things that make me great as a trainer, um, not to toot my own horn, but you know, effective as a trainer versus I was a salesperson, you know, it's like Michael Jordan and, and Wayne Gretzky. They're great athletes, but they were horrible coaches. Right? It's a different skill set. Right? It or, it's a hundred percent different skill set. You know, and so um, we, we, someone needs to come in and help us explain what we're really doing. So a lot of times when we say, uh, for example, answering the phone, just answering the phone, very basic. We yep. think we want to be polite. That's the goal. That is not the goal. 
the goal is to control the conversation. Yes, we should be polite as part of that. Mm-hmm. But we have to understand we really want to control the conversation. One of the worst things a, a new person who doesn't have experience can ask on the phone is exactly what we teach them. Thanks for calling Dave's Chevrolet, whatever it is, right? Uh, how may I help you? Now we're giving control of the conversation to the caller, the customer. They don't know the right questions to ask. So, you know, when we start looking at, oh, you have to control the conversation, that's the goal. How do you do that? You ask questions. The person asking the questions is in charge of the conversation. No, 100%. And I think what's key is that when we're controlling the conversation, and I think for anybody listening to this is that what we're talking about, guys, is controlling the conversation, but we're controlling the conversation not necessarily in our own benefit or our own needs and wants. We are controlling the conversation with with the customer's needs and wants and benefits in mind like guys it's it's exactly. i know i know i know and i'm just did want to clarify that because because I, I know that what we're doing here is we're doing this for the customer we're trying Everything. to create that we're trying to create that experience and communication you yeah. know for the customer well and and and, I, and 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 you bring us to a point that that's very important if i ask six people and i do this exercise i'll ask six people in the dealership to write down what customer service is, we got six different answers. Oh, 100%. Somebody might say it's the lowest price. It's getting the vehicle the fastest. That's not the same thing. No, no, it's, so- it's, 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 it's huge amount of communication, like a yeah. tremendous amount of communication. I mean, I'm thinking, um, you know, some of the best customer service I've ever received ever, ever was just a tremendous amount of over communicating. You know, it's like I, I walked out of there just, gosh, just literally just feeling like there wasn't, I didn't have a question that wasn't going to be answered. In fact, I even maybe got a couple, a couple questions answered that I didn't know I had in the first place. <laughs> you know, it's just, that's, that's the feeling that we want people to walk out with. Well, what's, what's interesting is that I don't care what your customer service is. I mean, I, hopefully you have a good definition, but your definition could be, we punch you in the face when you walk through the door. That's our customer service. Right. Okay. I don't advise it, but if that's what you want it to be, great. But everyone should be doing it. It needs to be, everyone should be on the same page with how we define customer service. Because otherwise, how can you train and move in the same direction and all these things? A great example, I don't know, I don't, do you guys have Comcast up in Canada? I don't know who you're. We don't. We have a similar company called Kojiko. Okay. So, so literally structured, almost identical. Okay. So I imagine Comcast here and AT&T here are the worst customer service when you call the call center. Typically horrible. Uh, they have a lot of times you're not actually calling Comcast. You're calling companies that are third parties that they've outsourced to who then have to call Comcast later to actually do what you requested. So they're very limited in what they can do. And so what people want in an experience, it's not even necessarily great customer service. It's they want consistency. So when I call Comcast, because I'll train, we train our customers, we train our customers how to behave. So when I call Comcast, they've trained me that when they answer the phone, my training is, okay, listen, man, I, I'm going to tell you flat out, I'm in a bad mood. I'm not happy. You guys have upset me. I can take it out on you or your manager, your choice. Yes. So they transfer me to the manager and I get, I get results because they've trained me. I got to go to a manager. I'm going to get there right away. That's what I'm going to do. I have one guy driving me nuts. Because he was doing great customer service, but because they've trained me a certain way, I get on the phone with him and he's like, Oh no, sir. I think I can really help you and do this. And then, okay, I get it. But can I talk to a manager? Well, no, sir. I need to help you first before we can get to a manager. Why don't you tell me a little bit about your problem? So now I'm going, okay. And, and, and in the end, he, he couldn't help me, but, but it was, uh, well, that's a, per, a, that's a perfect example of a process being structured 
in the benefit of the company, not in the benefit of the consumer. Yeah, or, or, or they think it's in the benefit of the customer, the, the company, but when, when- I don't know, Did you, is there anything about that that would actually tell you that this was in the benefit of yeah. the consumer? Like, again, let's, let's, create, let's create a gatekeeper, you know what I mean? Like, let's, right. a, let, let's not give them a direct path to someone who can actually take care of your problems. Let's actually create a middle person. Oh man, that's exactly what customers want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's just, and, and that's, why I, that's why I define customer service in the training as doing what's best for the customer. You know, I think, it, it, I think that's a really good point. It could point. change depending on the customer situation. Yeah. So it's not all these different things. And so, um, you know, is it best? It just wraps everything up nicely. 100%. And, and I think, you know, I'm thinking about this and we're talking about this. And I know there's a lot of people that are listening or watching to this right now and they're shaking their heads and they're agreeing with us, right? But, you know, I've been in hundreds if not maybe thousands of dealerships over my career and i'm sure you have as well but this is not happening it's not happening consistently and in fact actually i i'm really trying to think it's like what percentage of people out there do i know that really do define what the customer service is and actually take the time to structure out process to create customer service so you know i'm wondering if the reason why this doesn't exist at so many of these dealerships that i visit is because they've never actually defined for themselves what customer service means to them as as, as a group or as a dealership well and we as talked earlier about how how other franchises, the setup is that you, before you open your franchise, you have to complete this training. You have to complete these things. Yeah, there's so many once steps. It feels like we bypass all that shit, don't Once we? you're open, good luck because it's busy. Yeah. And it's hard to, and that's why another thing, you want everything to be short. So I mentioned the online learning, the e-learning, you know, it's, it's five to seven minutes for each model. There's like 57 of them. And not everybody takes them. It depends on your role. Well, sure. you know, you have the book, so you know the book is structured the same way. So it's hey, you just you could you can uh, you can use that. It's set up as a as a learning resource, so you can do all the same stuff in the book for the most mm -hmm. part. But but that's it needs to be bite sized. You need to hit it. You need to um, you got if you if you have the luxury of new people coming in that you can have a couple weeks with before you put them on the floor. Great. A lot of times in our industry we can't. So but we why can't we? Hold calendar. on. Here. Why why can't we? Like what, it depends what, on, on who we are. So, for example, and what we're at. So, for example, when I'm talking about a truck cause dealership. Because I've, I've heard this excuse before, right? You know, like they just brought on somebody, but they, they, they can't afford to spend the time to, you know, to put them through a two-week coaching right. or training which is, program. Which is, you know? which is funny. Can you afford to take somebody who's not trained well? That's what I'm saying. Have like, talk to your customer? Can like, you afford like, to do that, right? You, well, you, you have to have the person out there, but you can't afford, like, I don't know. It just seems asinine to me, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, I agree. And in a lot of industries, I mean, uh, one of the projects I finished last summer was creating a four-week sales boot camp for a software company. Okay, and cool. Everyone who's hired goes through this boot camp for four weeks. And sounds, if you're not up good to part, you're out. But in a dealer, a lot of dealers can't do that. It's just, they're just not structured that way. So it is an example, and it depends on your department. Sales, we might be able to do that in. Uh, parts, which is, is big for everyone, but particularly trucks, right? That's a big thing. A lot of times they got to be on the phone their first or second day. So again, we, you know, if you make it bite-sized and you have a calendar for it, but what's ironic is you point out, and we talked about this earlier, I would never take somebody that hasn't done certain jobs and let them do that on a vehicle. Oh, here you go. You're going to start repairing this. You've never done this. I'm not even going to have you watch somebody else do it. You're just going to do it. Yet, my most important, you ask people, what's your most important thing? They'll tell you their customer. And I'll, is it really? Because, because you would because never let somebody work on a vehicle without, yeah, without training experience, but you'll let them talk to your customer. We'll let them talk to our customer without training and experience. <laughs> so I don't know if you're really 
showing that the customer is the most important thing. And of course, when you ask them, what's your most important asset in house, they say my people. Yeah. But then we're not training them and developing we're not, we're them. We're not investing so. in them. Yeah. It's like the people are my most important part of my business, but I don't actually spend any time or money to invest into them as individuals. And when you ask that question, because I'll ask that, who's your most important asset? Well, my people. Every time, I've never had it not said my people. Oh, I, I agree with you. I've heard it. Yeah. I, I heard it twice yesterday. I'll just tell you right now. I literally yeah. heard it twice yesterday in my meetings. Then ask them, what, what do you budget for your DMS? They tell you. What are you spending on that? What do you spend on your CRM if you have one? Oh, they tell you. Okay. How much have you put aside to develop your people? Exactly. Hmm. Yeah. I haven't thought about it. So our most important asset, we haven't, we haven't thought about this. You don't have to spend a lot of money. What you have to do is you have to spend a little time. And, 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 and one of the bigger challenges too that goes into this is our managers. We do not coach and train our managers on how to manage our teams and manage them to training that we want them to do if we are doing training. We, and a lot of times managers are managers because somebody left. My yes. nephew worked at a dealership and uh, that, that guy I talked about earlier is going to be 23. He worked at a dealership for about a year. Uh, and, he, and I put his story up on LinkedIn and maybe we can send a link to it or something. But it's, it's an interesting to see it through his eyes as an eye Jenner and everything. But, but um, man, he at one point the sales manager left to move over to a suburb of India, Indianapolis, uh-huh. go to another dealer. And we did the typical dealer thing where he said, I'm leaving. Um, he's going to go be GM there. He gave two weeks notice and they said, no, just pack up your stuff. Now he left. He took half the staff with them. He took all their best salespeople. He took literally just watched this happen last week. Happens all the time. Right. Yep. And, and if that happens, it tells us we're doing something wrong. We got to change what we're doing. And he left. And so what do they do? You're the new manager. That is not a development program. And you're <laughs> going to take the job because it's more money, right? But, but not, only, not only is it a challenge because we haven't given a management experience or anything, but now it's a challenge because now I'm going to manage people that I was just peers with just a second ago. Yep. So now not only do, do, manage, do I need management experience, this but I, a bunch need times. Training, I need training on how do I deal with that because that's a very difficult thing to be in to go to a lot of times for us. And so we need to give them even more and we're not giving them any. And, and, and part of it is because we haven't put it out there, which is why I have that in, in my content that I do, because it's always been required for any industry I've been in. It's always been, how are our managers going to teach us? That's a big question. So I had yep. to figure that out and provide it. And uh, when I came to this industry, I went, that's standard guys. We've got to, that's like the first thing we have to do is get the managers on board have them maybe even go through the training separately so that they're not embarrassed in front of their staff. If they don't know the answer uh, to a question that they should know and, and vice versa, staff might not want to answer a question in front of their management, you know? Of course not. Uh, so <laughs> we have to think of all these things. We can't just, a lot of times when we do training, um, except when it's on how to fix a vehicle, we check a box. So, oh, I did it. We checked the box. Yeah, yeah. Like we think that's enough. Box. We think that's enough. Let's just let's get through that and just check that box. Yeah, it's like telling a five-year-old, listen, here's how you tie your shoe. I showed you done. You should be able to do it now. Exactly. What? No way. He's going to take him away. He's got to practice and practice and work at it. And then he'll be able to do what we call unconsciously competent, do it without thinking about it and add his own flavor and everything. And that's a learning and development term of uh, the, uh, the stages of learning. And the last one is you do it without thinking about it. We do a lot of that. We drive, we ride bikes, and 
But all those things we had to learn, it's the same thing for everything we learned. So when we're learning how to talk to the customer and answer the phone, have a little script in front of you. Have a Change it from, hey, how may I help you to, who am I speaking with, please? Hey, thanks for calling Roy's uh, truck and all your porn. Who am I speaking with? This is Ian. Who am I speaking with, please? See, and it's all these little things. I was talking to a dealership the other day, and it's, it's, it's a really good point. Is that, you know, you've been in the business long enough to know that uh, deals are made or lost never by big things. There's, there's never one big thing that just made the deal happen or lost the deal. And because if, if there was, we would actually identify really quickly and then just change that, right? Yeah, and it's, no one would need that. us. It's little things. It's always these little, little, little tiny things as to the way we answer the phone, to the way that we meet and greet them, to, you know, to the way that we present the payments, to the way that we, you know, uh, we service the vehicle and the way we check in the vehicle. You know, it's all these little, little, little tiny things that actually make a world of a difference. And, and I see, and this was, it's been just a great conversation, Ian. Thank you so much for taking the time to jam with me. But, you know, it seems like that overall, that overall theme is that we're asking our employees employees to just really do as much as they can for us as a business. But then what are we doing for them in return? Well, yeah, we're asking you know, them to bring it to the table. Leave then, it all in the field. We want yeah, them We want yeah. them to go out there and act like professional athletes yep. and just literally perform the best way they possibly can. But then what are we doing to support them? We, we, right now, we think providing them a, a desk and a phone and a business card and, and a product to sell is enough. That, but that's not the way it is. But that's a great analogy. We expect them to come out and perform like a professional athlete, but without giving them the training camp and the field and the court to practice on every day. Those guys who come out and perform, they're spending a lot of time training and doing other things so that they can 100%. perform. Right? Tons, tons Once the season gets going, it's they don't have to train as much because, you know, it's like baseball, there's, what, 187 games or something? Yep. So once I'm 30, 40 games in – if not sooner, I'm in my rhythm. I'm training every game, right? I mean, yeah. Every game. Yeah. Same thing when you're on the job and stuff. You've been doing it for a while. You're, you're training all the time. And, 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 and then we just add some things here and there. But yeah, it's, it's, it is. You're exactly right. We expect them to, we're expecting them to bring it to the table and then to go out and seek the knowledge on their own. And it's only a very few people that would do that, which is why we had that old saying that mm -hmm. they, it's not just our industry, but it's a lot of them. 20% of the people do 80% of the work and 80% of the people do 20% of the work. That when we when we live by that, that just tells me that we need to look at our recruitment process and we need to have training and development. We're not doing it, and and we have to remember we've been talking about training and development and learning and stuff here, right? And, and all that. Hey, keep in mind, you know, it, it's not for our staff. Training no, no, is no, not no, it's, for it's, our staff. It's, it's, for, it's for our customer. It, that's right. And, and it's just like when we do it for the customer, we're the ones that reap the benefit of it. So yeah. it, it's a total freaking win-win. Hey, Ian, uh, anybody out there that's listening and watching this show right now would love to learn more about what you do. What is the best way to connect with you? They could go to uh, gpatraining.net. That's gpatraining.net. They can email me at ian at gpatrain.com. Um, they can find me on LinkedIn. Just do a simple search to find me there. And, uh, you can reach out to me and, and uh, you know, it's easy to get my phone number. Once you send me an email, it's in my signature. So you're more than welcome to call me as well. Um, and uh, I assume you're going to tell them about the book real quick and let them know where they No, can. actually, I was going to let you do it. I was going to say, oh, just okay, before we great. finish off here, let's, let's do a little plug. Let's, let's plug that book. <laughs> tell me. You could do, uh, you can find my book. It's called The Customer is Never Right. So, and, and, and again, that's because 
you know, we've been trained. We talked about this this whole time, right? We have to ask questions, find out what they really want and need. So the customer is never right. Sell more trucks, cars, buses, parts, anything, because you can use it for anything in one month. Because it takes about a month if you do all these things religiously for a month to master it. And then you do it without thinking about it. They can pick that up on Amazon. Uh, again, reach out to me. And it's a great tool for even training yourself. I've had people do it. Um, one thing I do too is I have customers. Customers will do this themselves, but I have customers who do this with me. And what we do is we get on a, uh, we do a weekly or biweekly call where we take a topic from the book and we just 30 minutes in the morning before they do anything else, we talk about it, they implement it, we come back. And from there, we share a lot of best practices and things. And uh, I piloted it in 2018 along with a, a, just a, a couple I offer eight e-learning modules online um, complimentary. They took those as well. This one organization, they have nine locations across a couple states here in the U.S. or the states as you guys call them, right? Yep. <laughs> and um, uh, they they increased their sales uh, just, just in one area, just in the parts. We're not even talking about everywhere else. Um, and they're going to go wide with it later. Uh, almost $4 million. Well, it's amazing so, you know, what you what return you get when you actually take the time and money and invest in your people and their in their development. They have they have customers that are saying to them when they go see them because this is all parts that when they go see them, their customers are saying, "Wow, you've been here for a year. Usually, I'm on my third guy now <laughs> in a year." So well, that's so that's the difference. It's helping their retention, and what they do is is they're saying, "So I'm going to tell you about this part of my business. I've never talked to you about." before because I figured you weren't going to be here long enough to, to think about this. But what do you think about this? And then we start selling them stuff that we've never even thought about selling them before. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Hey, Ian, thanks again so much for taking the time to jam with me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man. It's been a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Have yourself a good one. You too. We covered a bunch of great topics today. What stood out most to you? Be sure to let us know in the comment section below. And don't forget to like the post and share it to keep the conversation going. You can follow Jason on all social media platforms by following Strategy with Jason. You can find him pretty well everywhere you can share content. I hope we were able to get you thinking. And until the next time, this has been Nathan with Digital Dealership Solutions. Have a great day.